You're now locked into Zone 32. Max Mikado, Grant Durflinger, Jake Miller. Only on NeutralZoneInfractions.com. NCI Properties. Ladies and gentlemen, back at it again. It's episode five of the Zone 32 podcast. NZI's first all 32 podcast presented to you by NeutralZoneInfraction.com. Follow us on Twitter at NZI Properties. It's Max, Grant, Jake. It's the Wednesday edition of the show. We apologize again for missing last Friday's edition. There were several scheduling conflicts, but it is what it is. We're here now, and unfortunately, we're here after we've drowned in our sorrows for a little bit from a really brutal Sunday game that just was not what we expected for our boys in the black and purple, but we'll get into that in a little bit. First up, we have a little bit of news that we've got to hit, so we're going to hit the ground running. The NFL trade deadline has come and gone as of Tuesday afternoon, and no real big moves had been made, so awfully anticlimactic. Um, though NZI's own Drew Loveless did point out that the trade deadline is like this every year, but, you know, we get caught up in the hype. So, Grant, I want to start with you. Now, we've talked before off-air about how you know you don't really expect a whole lot going into this trade deadline, but especially in a year like this with how strange everything has been with rostering. Um, what were your impressions? Or what, First off, let's start with your expectations going into this past Tuesday. But more importantly, what were your expectations for teams in terms of moves that they were to make? I mean, I, th- I thought it was uh, uh, kind of a – I mean, every year, you know, like you had mentioned before, every year it's kind of like the trade deadline. We get really hyped up. These names get thrown out, and, like, you know, we get excited, then nothing happens. Or, like, safety gets traded or something, you know, something like that. But um, expectations, I thought it was going to be a little bit more active this year just because there's a lot of teams that are kind of on the hunt, a lot of divisions still wide open, you know, maybe one or two key pieces away from making a move. Uh, pretty shocked that the Packers didn't make that move for Will Fuller, to be honest with you. I mean, not giving up what they wanted, but, you know, that's called negotiations, man. Like, you know, but I think that not making that move or any move for any receiver whatsoever to take some pressure off of Devontae Adams was kind of a, a boneheaded thing. But, you know, what do you expect from a team that takes a quarterback in the first round when they have a championship caliber quarterback that still has years left in him? Um, but you know, some of this, you know, most of the action really happened earlier on. Um, you know, I was pretty shocked that Desmond King with the Titans, I think that's a really good addition for them kind of solidifying that back into their defense, which, you know, they've kind of struggled with a little bit this year, I guess. Um, but I think that was a solid move. Would of course would have loved them in purple and black. We talked about it on here. Um, kind of surprised the Ravens didn't either with a lot of the, the injuries, you know, knowing that, you know, Stanley went down on Sunday, you know, prayers to him. Um, but I feel like, you know, not saying like a bona fide stud, but like make a move for depth, maybe some offensive help, whether it's line or receiver, um, even tight end. I was still in the Njoku train up until the trade deadline. Um, but I think that something could have happened. Um, I'm, I'm, expectations weren't super high, but I did think it was going to be a little bit more active this year and it wasn't at all. So, Whatever it is, I guess teams are riding with what they got. And I'm glad you mentioned the Will Fuller deal, um, Grant, because it was shocking to me that the price tag for Will Fuller, apparently teams were offering a fourth and a fifth for him, and the Texans didn't bite. Um, I made a quick guest appearance on the Matt and Frack Show. Uh, you can follow them on Twitch at uh, the Matt and Frack Show. Um, but I had mentioned how there's the possibility Houston might be intentionally keeping the cupboard stacked or stocked rather 
for their next general manager to make moves in the off season. So that way he's, he's not, you know, he's able to accumulate draft capital as needed, but he doesn't have to completely start over. But I, I still, I agree with you. I, I, I fully expected Fuller to be on the move. Um, and we're going to get in the Des King trade in a little bit because Jake, I know you feel some kind of way about this as well as the rest of our NZI folks. But the fact that Desmond King went for only a sixth rounder and a bag of chips is a travesty. Similarly to how the Patriots made an under the radar move for Isaiah Ford for <laughs> ne- ne- what was it next to nothing? What was it? Uh, so was it a six or seven know, rounder? But the Des King deal, movie theater popcorn is more expensive. It was ridiculous. And it, it, actually, now, now that I think about it, and I, I can't pull it up in front of me, I believe going back to the Ford trade, that was a future seventh rounder. So they literally gave up almost nothing. Um, and I, it's just it's such a Belichick move. But so, <laughs> Jake, I'm getting, I'm getting off track here because I'm just so flabbergasted by some of these deals. Um, talk to me a little bit. Let, let's get into the Des King trade. Why were the Ravens players... More importantly, and, and we're going to frame this in light of the, the news that's to come towards the end of the show. More importantly, was the depth necessary? And what should the Ravens have done, if anything, at the trade deadline? Is the depth perfectly fine without adding Desmond King? No. Especially with Marlon getting COVID-19. You don't have another slot corner on the roster, at least not a natural one. Not to mention Terrell Bonds might not play. He didn't look great on Sunday, eh? but he he's a body in there at least because if he's out, you're entirely stuck with Jimmy Smith, Marcus Peters, and Khalil Dorsey. The latter, the former two, that's perfectly fine. You can get you can more than get by with that. Teams would be happy to have that tandem. But that being said, Des King would have been an excellent fit. You would put Marlon right back on the outside, and with his versatility coming out of college, I kind of saw him as kind of a Tyron Matthew type. You can move him into the slot, but they can play him at either the safety spots just to add versatility to the back end of your defense. And the Titans and old good old Dean Pease get that with Desmond King. As far as what I think they should have done, I was on the DMs of the group chat Sunday advocating for Jacob Hollister just because the Seahawks have him on the trade block and the three tight end set was fantastic last season and because we traded Hayden Hurst and we didn't have a replacement for him because Breland got hurt and nobody else really made anything of themselves for it so they had to promote Pat Ricard to it it's been hurt it's it hasn't looked good Uh, that said hasn't looked good this season as far as I'm concerned a move I would have liked to see made would have been go to the Jets see what they would take for both Chris Herndon, and then Brian Poole. You get those two in there, you solve both those problems. And while your back end isn't solidified until Marlin gets back, you're in much better shape from that point on. And then Herndon's a good player. He just can't get out of his own way. Or even Ryan Griffin or somebody. He like he was fine with Sam Darnold last season. But I think they could really use another body to go into that power set because Teams don't know how to defend when you're spreading them out with a big personnel and you're out the shotgun because if you're running that kind of personnel, you're expecting a run. And all of a sudden you spread them out going to the gun, that's a problem. Because if you go into a nickel or a dime, they'll get back inside and they'll pound you up the gut. If you play them inside like you're expecting a run, 
you get beat over the top by one of those tight ends or even Hollywood. So I think they should have went after Poole or Chris Herndon. And that's not to say maybe they didn't. Maybe they made a call with Joe Douglas, but it's unfortunate a deal didn't get done for that. Yeah, I, I um I I would have been very surprised if Joe Douglas wasn't willing to entertain a low draft pick for Chris Herndon, given that Herndon had only had just one good year, his rookie year, uh, top 500 yards receiving, then was suspended to start his second year, and then he had two injuries back-to-back, so that was a lost season for him last year. But just for him to have had only 14 catches and 24 targets entering this week uh, for just over 100 yards, I mean, I know the Jets are the Jets, but those aren't eye-popping numbers and you can't trade someone just based off potential when they've had effectively uh, two and some change professional seasons in the league injury or not. Um, So yeah, I thought Herndon would have been a great value pickup just at least for, again, like you said, a body. Um, And well, after uh, this past Sunday's game, there's not a whole hell of a lot of bodies left on that active roster right now. Um, so we're going to segue into the uh, unfortunate Pittsburgh Steelers game in week eight. Um, unfortunately, the Steelers beat the Ravens 28 to 24. The Ravens now fall to five and two on the season while Steelers start seven to no for only the second time in franchise history since 1978. Now, thankfully the Browns also lost to the Las Vegas Raiders to soften that blow. So the Ravens are still in second place, but effectively two and a half games behind. Uh, meanwhile, the Bengals, and other AFC North news won 31 to 20 over the Titans sitting at two, five and one and could conceivably threaten that they make a run uh, for these last few weeks. Now that said, um, just focusing strictly on Pittsburgh and Baltimore. I mean, that game, I- I'll say this. I'm not heartbroken the way I normally am after a Ravens loss to the Steelers, but that was brutal just to watch the team effectively hold a 10 point lead going to halftime that never felt safe below that lead still have a chance to come back but then just due to a series of unfortunate events just completely collapse down to the final seconds grant i'm going to start with you um your thoughts on this just i'm going to say brutal loss that's the only way i can put it (laughs) i mean (laughs) look the the game itself you kind of have to either look at it as an optimistic point of view or a pessimistic point of view. Um, being as the season, we're five and two. The Lamar haters need to just, just jump off this, just jump the ledge, just do it. You know, don't don't be a fake fan. Like you know, the guy's twenty three years old. We talk about it all the time. He's gonna have growing pains. He's human. He was a unanimous MVP last year. He's gonna adjust. It's not all him. You know, the play calling has been atrocious. J.K. was ripping on Sunday. What what are you doing, man? Like third quarter, you completely abandon the run and you're controlling the game. Like that whole thing is just I don't know if Greg Roman's trying to outsmart himself or what he's doing, but damn, dude, like Harbaugh better step in. I mean, I've heard, you know, I read reports earlier that, you know, he's done that before where he stepped in and said, Hey, I want this to happen. But you know what? Like actions speak louder than words did not deserve to lose that game. I mean, Lamar himself had five turnovers, four lost, um, and still came down to a last possession in the last play of the game. Um, how he missed Miles Boykin wide open in the corner of the end zone is, I don't know, maybe purple jersey, purple end zone, I don't know. 
Uh, but even still, that last play, um, you know, I get all going for the ball thing, the whole Minka Fitzpatrick, but at the same time, the forearm to the head is a, is, is a penalty, period, and you can't undercut. Um, so, I mean, that's – call it on the last play of the game or whatever, but if you're going to call it and make it a rule and you're going to be so, uh, you know, stand by it as much as the NFL does, you know, you need to make that call, period. Um, as far as the game itself goes, I think we need to see more J.K., um, let Ingram get healthy. We're going to need him down the stretch more than anything because we're going to have to get this run game back. And that was another part of me wanting Njoku or another big body tight end that can be a receiver. Like you mentioned, the three tight end sets, you know, we need to reestablish that line of scrimmage, especially with Stanley out. You know, I think kicking Orlando Brown to left tackle, um, getting Fluker in at right and let, you know, push the power, man. Pedal the metal because that's that's what's going to open up that short passing game. You know, we're not stretching the ball down the field. I understand why Hollywood's frustrated. You know, he's been just butt naked open how many times and can't get the ball to him. And, you know, those are things that need to be fixed. And and I don't know where it needs to start, but, you know, it's got to happen. And then the decimation of this, you know, roster right now with all the COVID stuff, you know, hopefully the majority can come back and play with clear and test. But, you know, what do you do at that point? I mean, is it Des 30? I think it's Des 30. Most definitely Des 30 at this point. My gosh. And I, um, I, I, it's, we're going to get into it right after this topic, but with the decimation to the roster that we're facing both due to injury and COVID, I mean, it's like this, there was a no win situation regardless, because even if the Ravens had beaten the Steelers, which, okay, I'm going to lie, that would still be a pretty big win, but just, it, it's almost like it's a Pyrrhic victory in a way, because long-term to lose Ronnie Stanley and now to have lost Tyree Phillips on the injured reserve, I mean, that, that's two starters on the offensive line, a unit that still needs to gel. Now you've got to insert McCarry into the guard spot. And then you've got, you know, Bozeman struggling with Skura. You've got Orlando Brown Jr. who just, you know, has played okay, but not as well as last year. Now, you know, what, what are you going to do at this point? DJ Fluker taking Brown's spot on the right side, and he struggled quite a bit on Sunday. Um, Jake, kicking it to you. I mean, at this point, two and a half games behind, I don't want to say sky is falling and it's a chicken little situation, but is the division still within reach realistically? I mean, it's possible, but going into this game, I thought personally, the Ravens need to sweep the Steelers in order to win the AFC North because their slate isn't very tough either. Our gauntlet is right now. I mean, looking ahead at the Steelers schedule, this week you get the Cowboys who might could be starting, I think was his face, Brandon Rush? The whatever. Cooper no, Rush. Cooper Rush. That's yeah, his Cooper name. Rush that or, or, or a Cowboys legend. Uh, was it Danucci? Ben Danucci? Ben Danucci, the guy over there with the Italian place. I see you. you Duke, stand up. But nonetheless, I'm just sitting there like they, like they have for the next three games before we play them again, they get the Cowboys, the Jaguars, and the Bengals. And then we go to see them at Heinz Field on Thanksgiving night. While we, on the other hand, travel to Indy to play the Colts, where I will be in that state this, this particular weekend. You lucky after man, that, you. After that, Sunday night at Foxborough against the Pats. That, yeah, we'll see about that. I, I'm not going to count out Belichick just yet, but that's objectively tougher than the Jaguars, Cowboys, or Bengals. And then you get the Titans. And after that is the Steelers. I mean, left on their schedule, 
Maybe they drop a loss to the Bills if they're going to play them in Buffalo. I actually don't remember if they are, but I think they are. And then you get the Colts coming to their crib on week 16. So it's like maybe it's kind of a tough game, but I'm not going to pick the Colts to win that, especially with Philip Givers throwing the ball. I'm just saying. So all things considered, it's actually realistic that the Ravens could be a 14-2 wildcard team. Think about that. It's insane. But and that and again, that's that's to remind our viewers that's because of the new alignment with the seeding, adding additional seed on both sides. And so now you've expanded to seven seeds on each side, 14 teams total in the playoffs. Conference playoffs need to be like the NBA. The top teams get in. I don't care about your record. I'm tired of seeing these sub-500 teams get a chance. It's crazy. Like seeing the Chargers. Oh, no, the Chargers. Yeah, the Chargers be a 12-4 wild card team and then go to Baltimore to play the 10-6 and six Ravens, which I wasn't complaining about. But nonetheless, I mean, theoretically, the Chargers could have and should have maybe had a home game. But even so, that's neither here nor there. Not to mention, we're going to look at the NFC East later, where one of those teams will likely have a losing record and win, and gets a host of playoff game against one of the wild card teams who should be better out of the NFC. So that's trifling, I'm not going to lie. Just a little something about the game, I'll keep it simple. They are who I thought they were, and we let them off the hook. I can't believe I let you do that, too. You're damn right I did. We, they beat themselves. More than the Steelers beat them. I'll argue that till the till my face turns red, until I run out of breath. They, you can't turn the ball over. You can't give up the rock. The pick six and the pick to Alex Highsmith led straight to 14 points. I don't care about the other t- the last two drives where the Steelers let a drive on 20% of the 10 dr- 20% of their drives in the game when they only had 10. The the Ravens outplayed them. And it pisses me off seeing why would you divert from what you're doing well when they still can't stop you? You ran the ball on them for 265 yards. You outgained them. Actually, you doubled their yardage output. And you weren't behind for very long in the game. Yet you doubled their yardage output because you lost the turnover battle. So all things considered, yes, Lamar needs to play better. Yes, he's only 23. Yes, the offensive line needs to play better. I think the interior will be okay with Makari, but that's just my personal opinion. The sky isn't falling, and people need to calm the hell down, plain and simple. But, yes, they shouldn't have lost that game. I don't, I don't even know how you calm me down because the more I think about it, it infuriates me that as much as we complain about how, you know, us folks sitting at home playing Madden or just armchair quarterbacking it, it's, it's the simplest thing where – if you have a clear advantage on the stat sheet and you have the lead, why, like you said, would you not take advantage and keep doing what works? I mean, until they can prove they can stop you, keep, keep doing what you're doing until they're actually consistently stopping you with which case you can notice, Oh, they're coming hard to stop the run. Now let's set them up with a play action. Maybe Hollywood comes open deep. Maybe Duvernay. Exactly. I'm sorry. Did somebody say Mark Trustman? Oh my god! Let's not even get started with Mark Trustman. That, that that's oh my god! No, that, that that guy doesn't exist. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So oh. I um, you're I can't believe you really dropped Trustman too. That that's just you. We could do a whole show 
on Mark Tressman and just that, that horrible, terrible decision to hire him, thinking he was an offensive guru, like every other offensive guru that's walked through that door, Matt Cavanaugh. And with all the weapons that that Ravens offense had reasonably had, I mean, you had Mike Wallace, you had Justin Forsett, I mean, and then Alex Collins. I mean, like, I, 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 the whole period just kind of blends together right now. So I don't even know, I don't even remember what the starting offense looked like. But the point was, you still had Joe Flacco still reasonably in his prime before he had gotten hurt and you ruined him with that offense and that terrible blocking scheme and just everything in general. So it's, I, you know, I, I digress going back to this game, wrapping up my thoughts on the Steelers game. Look, if a Madden player can sit at home and just run the ball nonstop, as boring as it looks, as repetitive as it is, if it works, you do it. And it's that simple. How is it that an offensive coordinator who is paid so much more than we will ever make in our lifetimes combined can't get out of his own way? And again, I still believe in Greg Roman, but Greg Roman's bread and butter has always been running the football. Don't try to, to suddenly show off and try to prove to everyone that you are an offensive genius who can throw and, and create all these crafty passing plays when the route concepts are still exactly the same. You're still relying on nine routes. You're still relying on comebacks and curls. Very few slants, very few crossing routes. I mean, just it, this is the most basic intermediate stuff. And if defenses are figuring you out within a year, you need to change it up or you need to go back to what works. I don't care if Ravens football is boring to watch. I just want to win period. Let's go back to the Jamal Lewis days of just watching him just pound that rock 30 times, 35 times a game, you know, but I digress. Looking forward are um, presumably, or at least one of our final topics of the night. Um, so breaking news out of Baltimore coming out of Sunday's game, in addition to the two major injuries to Stanley and Phillips, uh, Marlon Humphrey tested positive for COVID-19. Um, and in conducting the, um, the NFL conducting their independent um, inquiry in determining uh, high-risk contact, um, they identified seven Ravens who will need to quarantine immediately, will not practice this week. However, these seven are eligible to play this Sunday against the Colts, provided they have five negative COVID tests prior. Um, linebacker Matt Judon, uh, inside linebackers Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison, and LJ Fort, our new starting free safety to Sean Elliott, outside linebacker Tyus Bowser, and uh, the ignominious Terrell Bonds, which, by the way, if you're going to pick up a no-name corner – from a, another professional league, why wasn't it the second XFL instead of the failed AAF? I don't know. But all seven are, are unfortunately going to be at least unavailable for the time being. We'll find out more by Friday's recording. Um, guys, Grant, I'm going to start with you. What will the Ravens even do if all eight total Ravens are out, most of them starters? They're going to have to call Danny from the replacements, the SWAT team guy, and just have him play middle linebacker because that dude don't get hurt. I got to do something, man. I mean, I kind of jumped the gun earlier, but, you know, practice squad being deep, you know, this is coming to play with the scouting and development of, you know, potential 
undrafted free agents or, you know, roster, you know, second, third year guys on the rosters that are on practice squads you can steal. I mean, that's an opportunity. There's been some cuts today too, um, you know, some questionable cuts that, you know, mentioned Luke Wilson earlier. He got released. Um, you know, I've seen some Dante Pettis stuff. You know, I've heard a lot of no's against him. I was a no for a trade, but for a, you know, a remainder of the season deal, I mean, why not? You know, as long as he's healthy, you need a long playmaker on the outside. You know, that could open up a little bit more too. But, you know, reestablishing the run game is the first thing. Um, just hopefully, we, you know, that everything goes okay and everybody gets to play. Um, I just think they're being precautionary. I really don't see that many people, you know, knock on wood, uh, you know, contracting it at one time on one team and then, uh, you know, miss having to miss a game or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff going around, these false positive tests and all that stuff too. So, you know, we'll wait to see what happens with that. Um, but, you know, luckily, you know, not saying luckily it's any given Sunday, but we're playing the Colts, which I think we match up well even with, you know, even half of a diminished roster. Um, but I think this is going to be a time where, you know, Lamar is going to have to prove himself. And I think he does. I think he, you know, he sees everything that's being said, you know, he sees the doubters. He's had the doubters his whole life. And every time he has a doubter, he overcome, you know, overcomes that obstacle and he reminds people exactly who he is. And I think as long as, you know, I think JK needs to get majority of the touches. I love Gus, but you know, he's more of a he, – he has his role. He's that situational runner. He's that, you know, ground and pound, beat him down in the second half. And that's who should have been used in the second half of the Steelers game was just give Gus the ball and let him just run those dives. Um, but, you know, I, I think that as long as they learn from the mistakes, we'll see what the coaching staff does. Um, but it seems like a common theme that keeps showing up. But I have faith in Lamar. I think he's going to put the team on his back and he's going to make plays. I can see Hollywood having a big game too. You know, they're going to try to force him the ball, look for him to have probably 10 to 12 targets. All right. Now, Jake, moving on to you. Um, This Colts game, should we be concerned with all of these defenders out or do you think the offense will do just enough to uh, keep this game winnable? Oh, it's a winnable game regardless. That being said, it's going to be close. The Colts are a good team. The Wild, We'll get in more into this on Friday, but I'll put it right now. The key, the wild card in this game is Phillip Rivers. Is he going to take care of the ball, or is he going to do what he did before and throw the ball to Marcus Peters back when they're in the AFC West? That's the key in, that, in this game. you got to win the turnover battle because the Colts are stingy on defense. They don't have to blitz in order to get after the quarterback. They're, last I checked, they were the best tackling team in the NFL. They've missed the fewest in the NFL. You get it, <clears throat> you get Darius Leonard back. The secondary's playing fairly well, too. I mean, they're only giving up 3.4 yards per clip on the ground. So all things considered, realistically, this could be like a 19-16 to 16 kind of game, like, an old school dog fight similar to what we had last week, but not with such a despicable team. I mean, by maybe, comparison, maybe we just burn that, uh, that memory of last week, just from our minds, just, it, it never happened. It's just a random loss that uh, we completely forgot about, you know, but Hey, I'm, I actually have one more topic that I wanted to address that I completely forgot. 
and this is going to be our bonus round to close out the show. Um, we're going to go in reverse order. Jake, stay with me here. Um, breaking news this week coming out of, uh, I believe, Tuesday morning slate. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers are going to place Jimmy Garoppolo on IR, and he may have potentially played his last snap for San Francisco, or at least popular opinion says so. So, Jake, I'm going to ask you first. Do you believe the Niners should draft a quarterback, sign a veteran free agent in the offseason, or stick with Jimmy G and see if he's got one more year in him? Yes, I think they should replace Jimmy G. However you get it done, get it done. If you believe – if I mean, the saying goes, if you're in the draft, you talk to a guy, and you believe that guy is your guy that will take you to the Super Bowl, you have to draft him. This is the reason why the Browns took Baker Mayfield first overall, whether they're right or wrong. If you believe the guy is your guy, you have to take him, plain and simple, because otherwise you're playing with fire, just like the Giants drafting Daniel Jones. <laughs> Daniel Sixth Jones. overall instead of Josh Allen or somebody, but and not taking Jones later. But either way, it's one of those things like, if you talk to someone, you believe that is the guy that's going to take you to the promised land, do it. Same thing with the vet. If you believe that certain vet is going to do it, do it. If you, especially if you don't believe in Jimmy G. Because to this point, I don't believe in Jimmy G. Like, I really don't. He's fine. He turns the ball over more in San Francisco Cisco than he ever did in his two or three game stint with the Patriots. And that's even with a dominant running game coached up by Kyle Shanahan. So I don't believe the answer is Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard, but I believe you can definitely find someone who can replace them. I mean, hell, Kirk Cousins might even be a little better than Jimmy G. (laughs) Kirk Cousins, that is a very sensitive topic around here at NZI, but we're going to have to touch on that another week. Now, Grant, similarly posed question to you. Do you believe Jimmy G is the answer or do they look elsewhere? But I'm going to add in another wrinkle. Is it more on Garoppolo or their lack of quarterback play that has plagued the Niners this season? Or is this on their head coach, Kyle Shanahan? Go. I don't think it's either. I I don't really know of a team in the NFL that's been as decimated by injuries as they have. Um, They've lost a lot of key components uh, to that defense. I mean, that defense is not even a shell of what it was when everybody's healthy. Um, I think Jimmy G's got his injury history and stuff. He's been, you know, formidable on the field. Uh, but, you know, Shanahan, he's, he's an offensive genius, man. Shanahan is so underrated as a coach. It's unbelievable. Um, and I think that at this time, you know, you can look. I mean, just wait to see how the season plays out. I don't believe in tanking. I think that's, uh, I think that's a weak move. I don't think that shows any kind of competitiveness. How are you getting paid at a professional level and you don't play hard every time or every play? I mean, you're playing for your job essentially with a lot of these injuries and stuff. So, I mean, wait to see how the season kind of plays out where they are. Um, You know, interested to see, you know, if he clears cap, you know, what their cap situation looks like. I mean, what about, you know, if if Dak's upset how the Cowboys treated him and the Niners had some cap room with all those young contracts and they can shed some light, why not offer Dak a contract in San Francisco? and let him kind of play under Shanahan. I mean, there's a lot of options that could potentially be out there for them. Um, and, and that's a team and an offense and a head coach and just an identity that a lot of players would want to play for. Um, as far as who, what, where, and when, um, I think we would see a little bit more towards the end of the season. We can kind of see what their draft situation is like. Because if you're sitting there, you know, 
you know, top five, top six, something like that by the end of the season. And you got, you know, Justin Fields falls right in your lap or you have draft capital to maybe move up a spot or two for him. I mean, I think that's somebody that, that you just, you have to make the move on. Um, and, and I agree with, you know, if you have your guy, go get him. And, and, you know, that's kind of takes it back to like the Falcons with the whole Julio thing. People were crushing them about that, but that set them up for the future on their offensive side of the ball, adding him. And, you know, they made their move. They had their guy, they knew they wanted him and they climbed. And, uh, but I don't believe in reaching, you know, like you said, like the whole Daniel Jones thing. I mean, I could not believe that that was even a thing or that Gettleman even made that move was incredible. I was almost impressed at how stupid it was. And, but, you know, there's a lot of things. I mean, I'm a huge North Carolina football fan, basketball fan, everything. And I mean, the whole Mitchell Trubisky going second was about the craziest thing that I've seen. He should have stayed another year and you're sitting here taking him over Watson and Mahomes. I mean, do they, I mean, you look at the workouts, you look at everything. I mean, yeah, the body of tape, but Mitch Trubisky had weapons. He had an offensive was built around him. He threw screens. We won games, you know, with, in the special teams game, but you know, that's beside the point, but back to you know, the topic at hand is uh, I think we need to wait to see what happens in San Francisco as far as their finale of the season with record and then go from there. Um, but, you know, don't be surprised if they make a big move in the off season, if they don't sit well where they like in the draft. I like what I'm hearing. And especially if I'm a Niners fan, I'm already considering the season a wash no matter what, even though they're not mathematically eliminated yet. I mean, I don't see how they intend to contend and compete for the rest of 2020. Um, on the note of Mitch Trubisky, I'm going to close with this anecdote that the two of you I know have already heard. But for the listeners who don't know, the reason why general manager Ryan Pace drafted Mitch Trubisky second overall over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, surprisingly enough, is because of a pre-draft dinner in which, uh, as they were walking to their cars, Ryan Pace saw that Mitch Trubisky was still driving an old beat-up car he inherited from his grandmother, despite coming from money. And he was so impressed by that because he thought that that car showed humility and leadership, and that was what sold him on Mitch Trubisky. Not his arm strength or any other attribute that you normally see in a quarterback but a beat up car that is a damn shame and i apologize chicago fans for what you've been going through that said that's gonna do it for our show today uh we'll be back on friday with a preview of week nine action assuming i have my weeks correct because everything is blending just all together in one piece uh we'll be talking ravens colts We'll also be talking more topics entering the weekend, as well as the status of the Ravens roster pending these COVID results. Uh, But again, this has been Zone 32, the only All 32 podcast presented by Neutral Zone Infraction. Follow us on Twitter at NZI Properties or online at NeutralZoneInfraction.com. I'm Max. He's Grant. He's Jake. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. We'll see you on Friday. Max, Grant, Jake. Zone 32, only on NeutralZoneInfraction.com. NZI Properties.